Gospels. Turn with me tonight to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 5. speaking in the flesh saying and when thou prayest thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men Verily, verily, I say unto you, I'm sorry, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray... Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Ever, amen. We're going to talk about praying on purpose. Praying on purpose. I went ahead and called this part one because there is so much here. There's there is no way that we're going to get through everything tonight there's no way we could get through everything tonight but we're going to talk about praying on purpose praying on purpose let's put our bibles down let's go before the lord in prayer god we love you and we thank you for everything you've done god i thank you for your people i thank you for your body thank you for your kingdom god i want your will to be done in me I want your will to be done through me. God, I pray that every word that comes from my mouth tonight would be under the unction of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that it would 
prick our hearts. Pray that it would challenge us. I pray it would compel us. I pray it would draw us. God, I pray that it would encourage us tonight. God, I pray that it would strengthen. I pray it would uplift. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And God, we give you the glory and we give you the honor and we give you the praise tonight in the name of Jesus. Why don't you clap your hands tonight one more time. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You can be seated tonight. Praying on purpose. Not just praying with purpose and not just praying, but praying on purpose. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Jesus in the flesh is speaking, preaching. And he's talking to them about prayer. Prayer is important. In fact, we understand that there's nothing that is recorded in the Bible just for pleasure reading. God did not mince words. So if it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. It's not just a piece of literary work, but it's a tool. It's a map. It's a guide. It is holy writ, penned by men's hands, authored by God. He did not mince words. We're not preaching the validity of Scripture tonight. But he did not waste space. This was not a Facebook post. This was not a tweet on Twitter. This was not a MySpace. I don't even think MySpace still exists, but it's old enough. Maybe maybe Jesus had it on the, Moses probably had it on the backside of the tablet. Okay? But he was not wasting space. And so, anywhere in your Bible where there are words written, the spirit that's behind it, it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. You with me? Jesus himself did not waste breath. He said, he told his disciples, don't cast your pearls before the swine. If you share it and they don't want it, dust your feet off, go, to, go somewhere else. So he's taking time. He's taking his precious breath. He knows he's going to be there 33 and a half years, yet he takes time to talk about prayer. He said, and when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. He starts the meme before it's cool. These are the hypocrites. Don't be like them. Okay? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they can be seen of men. They have their reward. Okay? He's telling them, listen, I know that devout Jews typically would pray, usually would pray publicly at three set times. The morning, the afternoon, and the evening. We know Daniel was a devout Jew. He prays three times a day. But Daniel's praying in his home. He said, these guys, they want everybody to know they're devout Jews. So they're praying publicly in the synagogues. And that that cannot be misconstrued to say or to mean, uh, hey, don't pray in public. 
Don't pray in a group gathering. Don't pray in the synagogue. Don't pray in the church. We are to pray collectively. That's why we have corporate prayer. That's why we come together for pre-service prayer. That's why we have prayer during service, during worship service, where we open the altar. If somebody's got a special need, we come up and we pray. There's, there's specific reasons for that. Okay? But my relationship with God is not just based, not just based on what I do in public. It's not just based on what I do corporately. So, he said, when you pray, he said, he's using uh, specific language to them. He's saying, hey, this is what the hypocrites are doing. They're just praying publicly. But this is what you want to do. Don't be like them. This is what you want to do. When you pray, I know that that's what that church over there might do. I know that that preacher might say, don't pray at home. You can get everything you need in church. And, okay. You can get a lot done in church. You better be at church. But a relationship with God is not just based on public displays of affection. Let's talk about marriage. If he's the bridegroom, if he's the groom and the church is the bride, what kind of relationship would it be if the only affection that is ever shown is in public? Not going there. Oh, y'all don't want me to go there. I've seen folks who were over the top. Listen, I'd call my wife up here right now and give her a kiss right in front of everybody. Except she punched me in the face. You can put you can leave that on the podcast. That's the truth. Okay? I don't have a problem kissing my wife in public. But you just better know that the only time I'm kissing her is not in public. You'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed if I saw y'all kissing your spouse in public the way you should be kissing them at home. Okay? Talking about prayer. Some of y'all are praying right now. God, let him move on. I've seen marriages that were, you knew they were only based upon a public display of affection. And they were over the top. Kissy, kissy. Smoochy, smoochy. All of that nonsense. Okay? I don't have a problem holding my wife's hand or giving her a hug or giving her a kiss. But when I see people who are just flat out over the top, hanging all over each other, like they're a dating couple. And dating couples shouldn't act that way in public either okay at least if they're a dating couple you're thinking man they're doing that in public what are they doing in private but when it's a married couple it's the opposite why do they have to do that gag me I make my kids uncomfortable hey boys you you probably want to go in another because I'm getting ready to kiss your mom they need to know that okay 
Marriages are in trouble if they're just based on public displays of affection. That's what I'm saying. My relationship with God is in trouble if it's only based upon public displays of affection. Don't get me wrong. It builds security when you reach over and you squeeze your spouse's hand. You you give them a hug. Words of affirmation in front of other people within reason. We know all that. This is not marriage class tonight. We're talking about prayer. When I come into the house of God, I ought to clap my hands. I ought to tell him that I love him. I ought to run the aisles. I ought to pray. I ought to worship. I ought to do all of those things. It ought to be crazy. It ought to be over the top in worship and in praise because he's my God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my Redeemer. He's worthy of all of that. But I do not want to be like the hypocrite is. He said, don't be like them. Do this. Yeah, pray publicly. Yes, worship publicly. But make sure you're praying at home. Make sure you're worshiping God at home. Chances are, if I'm praying at home and I'm worshiping at home, it's going to spill out in public. It's going to spill out in public. leave the marriage topic alone. We're moving on. There there are New Testament references to public prayer, and that's not what we're going into tonight. Okay? Nothing's wrong with public prayer, public worship. You ought to do it. Okay? You need to. You should. You have to. You ought to. You ought to want to. Okay? But Jesus is telling the crowd, hey, listen, I don't want you to only pray in public but I desire to have a personal relationship with you there must be private moments with just me and God moments of praying on purpose but when you pray use not vain repetitions you feel that you just kind of felt that just a little whoosh just kind of a, a little settling right now. Okay? It's God's affirming what I'm preaching and teaching right now. Okay, He wants personal moments with you. An intimate relationship with you and me. Kids, teenagers, young person, he loves to hear your voice. He really does. He loves to hear your voice. And he wants you to be in a position and to be spiritually mature enough where you start learning to hear his voice. And you begin to recognize his voice. You begin to love his voice. Praying on purpose. Don't be like the hypocrite. Pray in private as well as public. Verse 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions, okay? As the heathen do. He said they're just babbling to speak. They're not thinking. That's what the words mean. They're babbling to speak, just to be speaking. Just 
to be heard. In fact, in their pagan worship, they would just repetitively, repetitively repeat the name of their God. Why? Because he hadn't done anything for them. He hadn't healed their sick. They couldn't praise him because he was a healer or she was a healer, whatever God they were serving. We don't have to rely on vain repetitions, babblings. Okay, we're moving on. We're praying on purpose. Okay, again, there is so much here. I have a specific destination that we're going tonight. So if I skip over some of this, please know we're coming back to it. Not tonight, but we'll come back to it. That's why this is part one. Okay? Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. He knows what you need. Before I even ask, how incredible is that? Baal couldn't say that. Ashtaroth couldn't say that. Mercury and Jupiter and Saturn couldn't say that. So on and so forth. So after this manner, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven. Verses 9 through 13 have become known as the Lord's Prayer. It's given as an example, a pattern, or a model for prayer. It's not meant to be a mantra to be repeated over and over again. Memorize the layout. It's a pattern. Our Father, which art in heaven, it starts with worship. It starts with praise, and it always should a surefire way into the presence of God, then start your prayer time with worship and praise. Okay? Start it with worship and praise. And if you're praying for a little while and you feel like it dries up, go back to worship and praise. Go back to worship and praise. I love you, Jesus. You've been so good, God. And I've got a long list of things. Be another part, okay? Be another part. Hallowed be your name. Bless you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. There's so much here in these few verses. So, should we pray? Yes, we should pray. It's a silly question. There's power in prayer. And there's more than power. Prayer is a necessity. It's more than something that I do just to receive an answer. Yes, I pray so I get answers, but I also pray to have communication with God. I also pray to get things done. There's a man who has written several very, very good books regarding prayer by the name of E.M. Bounds. He said, prayer makes a godly man or a godly woman and puts him or her in the mind of Christ. The mind of humility, of self-surrender, of service, of pity, and of prayer. If we really pray, we will become more like God, or else we will quit praying. So we must discipline our bodies, our minds, our spirits to pray. Because God is more eager to open the door than we are to knock. Admiral Perry, you've heard some of this before. He said, I'll either find a way or I will make a way. It may look impossible to do, but you can do it if you want to bad enough. If I want to pray, bad enough. I will make time to pray. If I want to be in his presence, then I will make time to be in his presence. We're talking about praying on purpose. 
I'm not talking tonight. Let me just let the cat out of the bag tonight. I'm not talking about just praying to fill time. Praying to fill time is frustrating. Praying to fill time will make me not want to pray. It will be the vain repetition that goes over and over. And before I know it, he's referring to me as a heathen and as a hypocrite because there's no feeling and there's no relationship in that. I don't want to just pray to fill time. Yes, I understand. Sometimes I don't feel like praying and I have to make myself pray. In fact, if we were being honest, most of us probably feel that way more times than we really feel like praying. But I either find a way or I make a way, even if it looks impossible. I can do it if I want to do it bad enough. I can pray anywhere, I can pray anytime, and I can pray any place. I just have to do it. I just have to make a way. I have to make it happen. I have to make a way. I have to make it happen before he can make a way and before he can make it happen. Sometimes we feel like we're just going through the motions, and sometimes we are. We're just praying because we know we need to pray. Say, well, if I just pray because I know I need to pray, should I still pray? Yes, you should still pray. Because I know I should pray. I know I need to pray. The Bible is full of instances and scripture referring to prayer. James 5.13 Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, then they shall be forgiven him. When I pray, miracles happen. When I pray, sins are forgiven. So I need to pray. Obviously, we need to pray. We know that prayer works. We have seen prayers answered. We don't have to pray like the heathen prays. We don't have to pray like the idolater has to pray, where we don't believe that we have a God who can answer. We know we have a God who can answer prayer. You've heard me teach about prayer. You've heard me preach about prayer. You've heard me teach about current prayer. It's when I have a situation that I'm going through right now. It's a current situation. And I need God to move now. God, I have a bill that's due. I don't have the money. I need the money so I can pay my bill. God, I believe you want us to pay our bills. I need the money. I open up the mailbox. There's a check. It's a miracle. It's a current prayer. Something that's going on right now. You've heard me preach about it. Then you've heard me preach and teach about memorial prayers. It's like Cornelius who had prayed for years. The Italian centurion. The book of Acts. Good man. Gave the alms. Gave to the poor, godly to the best of his ability. He prayed and got no answer for years. It took time. It took energy to build that prayer life without an answer. He may not have necessarily seen the results that he wanted to see right away. But when God's timing was right and the angel of the Lord came to him, what did the angel say? He said, Cornelius, your prayer and your alms have come up like a memorial to the throne of God. 
And so what Cornelius was doing was stacking prayer upon prayer upon prayer upon prayer until the timing of God was right. And when the timing of God was right, God answered the prayer of Cornelius in a magnificent way that caused you and I to be able to be in church tonight. We understand there are different channels of approach to God. That's a different part. Channels of approach to God in prayer. We're going to talk about those later in the future. Pastor, how do I crank up my prayer life right now? So I believe that I'm, I'm teaching and preaching to a church tonight that knows that we should pray. I'll take it a step further. I'm, I believe I'm preaching and teaching to a church tonight that wants to pray. Even if we struggle with prayer. And if you don't struggle with prayer, God bless you. I have a love-hate relationship with you. Because sometimes my flesh hates to pray. Sometimes it's hard for my flesh to pray. Now the more I pray, the more I want to pray. You've heard me say that. I've experienced it. Hopefully you have experienced it. How do I crank up my prayer life right now? God wants us to be engaged in prayer. He wants us to pray on purpose. Not just nonchalant prayer that passes time and accomplishes nothing. James 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer. That's what God wants us to be, to be involved in, is effectual and fervent prayer. Of a righteous man or a righteous woman availeth much. In other words, it gets a lot done. You're praying on purpose. You're not just praying to fill the time. You're not just got the, the little soundtrack on and you got your little hourglass flipped over and, and as soon as it's done, I'm out. Okay? We've done it. We've been there. We know it. We've felt it. Okay? But how do I increase the quality? There's not a big ton of words that start with Q. There's two that come to my mind tonight. Quantity. That means a lot or a little. The number present. Or quality. I mean, I don't know about you. I would rather not have a lot of junky vehicles and have one really nice one. So, let me ask us the question. Do we think God would be more pleased with an hour of vain repetition Or would he be more pleased with 15 minutes of effectual, fervent prayer? Now, don't misunderstand me tonight. Our goal, my goal, I'm not going to speak for you, my goal, I would rather have an hour of effectual, fervent prayer. I mean, really. Or two hours, three hours, four hours. Bless God. 24 hours of effectual, fervent prayer. 
I mean, I'll bite Satan's fingernails for him, and I'll spit him in his eyes. Okay? But that's just not always the way that it happens. But I want to pray on purpose. I want it to be effectual. It's where we get the word, the Greek word for effectual that old King James had translated into that old English. It's hard to understand sometimes. The old Greek word was energio, which is where we get the English word energy. It means engaged in. It means to work. It means to energize. Working in a situation that brings it from one stage or one point to the next. You've heard that. It's like an electrical current energizing a wire. A wire in and of itself. Don't try this at home. That in and of itself is inert. Oh, yeah. Ask the electricians in the room. There's still there's magnetic fields around everything. There is. That's not what this is about. But if I just saw a coil of wire on the floor that was loose and I and I grabbed hold of it, it would do nothing. But if there was a coil of bare copper wire and it was plugged in to an outlet and it was energized. And I grabbed it then. I'm getting ready to have a shocking experience. It's getting ready to get wild and crazy and heart-stopping. Okay? So the, the coil doesn't change. It's just the fact of whether or not it's plugged in. Whether or not it's connected to the source of energy. So I don't just want to pray. I mean, there's praying, and then there's effectual praying. It's the added intensity that causes it to go to another level of intensity. That thing just got intense. Effectual and fervent. Fervent means very hot, exhibiting, or marked by great intensity of feeling. And so as children of God, we need to understand that the power that we have been given is not earthly power. But it's connected to a divine source. I've been given the power, the dunamis, the dynamic, explosive power of God. But I have also been given the power, the exousia, the authority to use the explosive power of God. He's not just saying, hey, listen, guess what? That outlet over there has got enough juice to fry that brain. It's there, but you can't use it. Don't fry anybody's brain, okay? Man, this, is, this message is full of disclaimers tonight. Okay? He's not saying, hey, listen, it's there. There's a power source right here. But don't use it. You can't use that one. Well, there's another one. You can't use that one either. But I need, this, I need the, the power of God for this situation. Yeah, you've got it, but you can't use it. What a waste. What a waste. But when I understand that I have the power available and I have the the authority to not only plug in, 
but to also use it. Now I have the ability to do work. Now I have the ability to get things done. We need a revelation tonight that when I pray on purpose, I'm plugging in and I'm exercising authority. That I have the ability, I have the authority, and I have the power of God that is able to do anything. And I have the authority to be able to use it. We're praying on purpose. If I've only got 15 minutes that I can make, or if I'm just trying to get this thing rolling, then I want to make sure that those 15 minutes are as effectual and as fervent as they can be. And God gave us a layout so we could be efficient in our prayer time. Matthew 18. Verse 15, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Okay? So it's a personal level, and it's a small group level, and it's a corporate level. So Jesus was saying, listen, Matthew chapter 6, Remember those hypocrites? They're just praying publicly. They're not making any connections on their own. And they're not making any connections in the family setting or in the small group setting. And so by the time they get to the corporate setting, they're just kind of floating along. But if they're praying on purpose at home, if they're accomplishing things alone at home, then when they get together with two or three, they're going to get a little bit more done. In fact, one can put a thousand to fight, but two can put ten thousand. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Kids, if you have a science experiment, why don't you take this one on for size? Why don't you go get yourself a little string? Tie it around a board, hang it up, and then start hanging weights from that one string. And see how long that string can hold the weight, or how much weight you can add to that one string until it breaks. Okay, Then you take the same length of string off the spool, you tie that up, and then you cut two more and braid those things together. Guys, you probably don't know how to braid, and that's not a bad thing. Find a girl or find, ask your mom to help you learn how to braid. Rope, not hair. Okay? No disclaimers. You're killing me tonight. Okay? Then braid those three strands of that same string together, tie them off at the end, and then start hanging weight on them. And see how much weight those three that are braided together can hold. Chances are those three braided together are going to hold quite a bit more. Ooh, I feel a super church Sunday experiment coming on. Hey! What I do in private, he said, what you do in secret, the Lord who sees in secret is going to start rewarding openly. Okay? And tell the church. But if he shall neglect to hear the church, let him be under thee as a heathen, a man, and a publican. Okay? Verse 18. We can't forget those other verses before we get to verse 18. We like to quote verse 18, but you can't forget the other one. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed 
in heaven. I got 20 of these papers. You've seen something on the screen in prayer. If you got it back there, Brother Stratton, go ahead and throw it up there. I want to pray on purpose. He said, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth. Okay? Terra firma. That's where we are right now. We're on the earth. Believe it or not. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. If you want one of those papers, just lift your hands. It could be more than one family. I, we, we can print off more. To bind is to tie, to fasten. When you use that original word, you would use it like I impel or I compel. I declare to be prohibited or unlawful. If I'm binding it on the earth and I'm locking it up, I am tying it, I'm wrapping it, I'm saying, hey, you don't belong here. It is unlawful for you to do that here. It is unlawful for you to do that in my city. It is unlawful for you to do that in my family. It is unlawful for you to do that in my church. It is unlawful for you to do that in my work. I don't want you doing that around me. I refuse to allow that to take place. And he said, you've got the dunamis power to do that, but you also have the exousia authority to do that. How do I know I have the authority? He said, because if you'll do it on the earth, I'll do it in heaven. You've got direct access. You have authority. We're praying on purpose. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Ye shall loose to release, to dissolve. Dissolving that. Jesus, I'm loosing it. So, I can bind and I can loose in the earth and it will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. If you will agree, if you will call out with each other, if you will be in harmony, I don't try to pronounce a lot of Greek words, okay? I'm not Greek. I don't speak Greek. I don't plan on speaking Greek. But the Greek word for agree is symphonio. It's where we get the English word symphony. It's used in regards to voicing the same opinion because they are like-minded. 
That's why if you were sophisticated so and you walked into an orchestra or you walked in to see the symphony and you heard all of the various instruments and all of the various musicians and they are all playing different instruments but they are harmonizing as a symphony. They are like-minded. They are following the same melodic trails. They are doing the same things. But the sound in and of itself as an individual instrument might sound pleasant but it does not sound anything. I know there are people that have CDs or MP3s downloaded of Brother Kenny G playing the saxophone. But when was the last time you saw an album for a tuba player? That's Veggie Tales, brother. Not real entertaining. But you throw the tuba player in with Brother Kenny G. (laughs) Father. If old Eddie Van Halen was still alive, he just died this week. It's not funny. Needed Jesus. But you put all those instruments together. There's a sound that they get that they would not get by themselves. And so when I'm over here praying by myself, I'm getting some stuff done, or I I hope I am. I like to get some stuff done. It doesn't always happen, but I, I like to get some stuff done in prayer. But there are times where it's hard for me to break through in prayer on my own. Even on Tuesday nights when we're all here together. And so I'll go and I'll kneel next to my wife. And I'll I'll listen to her praying as I'm praying. And then our two voices as operating as one flesh begin to pray. And then before you know it, then then I hear so-and-so praying and and sister so-and-so praying. And when we begin to get more done because we're praying on purpose and we're praying together. Okay? It was originally used as a a harmony of voices to harmonize with in a sense of agreeing with. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Again, you're doing it here on the earth, but you're accomplishing things beyond just the earthly realm. It might be a current prayer. It might be a memorial prayer. It might be a warring prayer. It might be an intercessory prayer. It might be a prayer of thanksgiving. It might be just worship and praise unto God. But, but what I'm doing here is reflected in heaven, whether or not I see it right away or not. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Ladies and gentlemen, there is power when we begin to operate with authority. There is power when we begin to operate in unity, not just of my spirit or your spirit, because sometimes, folks, our spirits are wrong. But I want to operate in unity with His spirit, with authority, so we can get some things accomplished. 
So, Pastor, how do I engage in prayer? What is the way I could begin to take my prayer time to the next level of fervency? How can I make it effectual? How do I increase the energy? How do I increase the intensity? Thank you for asking. I'm so glad you did. You can take your prayer life to the next level of fervency by putting into practice your authority and your dominion. You can start inserting the concept of binding and loosing into your prayer. It can also be called warfare praying. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand... And therefore, having an orange good about with truth, so on and so forth. God provides protective armor that enables the believers to stand and resist against every scheme of the devil. And both Jesus and the rest of the biblical writers or pinners recognized the demonic forces that are loose in the atmosphere and on the earth. Now, this is a disclaimer that you should listen to. There's a fine balance in warring in prayer, pushing things, getting things done, and focusing on every spirit hiding behind every boulder, every bush, and every tree. I have seen folks over-spiritualize everything. Maybe the devil didn't pop your tire while you were driving down the highway. Maybe it blew because the cords were showing. I mean, the devil didn't do that. You just didn't put a different tire on it. Okay? There's a fine line. But there are very real forces, principalities, kingly or magisterial rulers, powers, which have... Same word, exousia, is used there. They have a certain level of authority or weight, especially moral authority and influence. He said, and rulers of the darkness of this world. It's used of the angelic or demonic powers controlling the world, the earthly world. It allows for the the, the possibility of a developed, organized system of hierarchical evil. There are real spirits. There are real enemies of your soul. Daniel 10 and 13. For the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Daniel had been praying for 21 days. You know the story. The answer hadn't come. God was giving him a current answer he wasn't asking him to build a memorial. He said, I had I had the answer on the first day, the first prayer that you prayed. But there was spiritual interference. Spiritual warfare. Mark 5 and verse 9, what's your name? Legion, for we are many. During that time period, you heard me preach it the other day. The number for a legion of soldiers was 6,100 foot soldiers. What you didn't hear me say was... They were also included in that with 726 
horsemen for a total of 6,826 men. That's a lot of devils inside one dude. Okay? Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. There is a very real power of darkness as well as the kingdom of God is very real. And there are only two sides. There is no middle ground. And God, I said all of that to let you know that God doesn't want his people to be a doormat. He doesn't want us to be spiritually run over, but he wants us to engage in warfare. Webster defines warfare as the military operations between enemies, a struggle between competing entities. Situations happen. Trials happen. Trouble happens. Arguments happen happen. And it's easy to see that as fleshly combat. It's easy to take things personally. But we fight a very real battle. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The weapons of our warfare, the weapons of our military expedition in the Spirit does not pertain to our natural man. It does not pertain to our carnal flesh, but they are mighty through God. That means they pertain to the Spirit. That means because they don't pertain to my flesh and there's no middle ground that I can't operate in my flesh if I want to have victory. I've got to operate in the Spirit. I've got to war after the Spirit. I've got to walk after the Spirit. The weapons of my warfare are not human-powered, but they are God-powered. Therefore, they are strong enough to pull down spiritual fortresses spiritual high places, spiritual enemies. Yes, there are very real spirits. Yes, they have some level of authority, some more than others, I believe. However, he also said, greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And so the more I pray, the more my flesh gets out of the way, then the more authority I will be able to operate in. We're praying on purpose. How do I engage that, Pastor? Surefire way to add fervency to prayer is by praying with purpose, praying on purpose. I want to be intentional. Praying intentionally prods me to take dominion. That's why Matthew... Chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It's just a format. It's a layout. It starts with praise. It starts with worship. Our Father, which art in the heavens of heaven. Automatically what that does is what David said when he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Okay? I'm acknowledging the greatness of my God. And when I begin to acknowledge the greatness of my God, I begin to see the minuscule nature of my enemy. He's minimal. He's small. Yeah, he's got some level of authority. But God said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so when I begin to pray that way, 
it automatically begins to trigger in my mind not not a spirit of defeat, but a spirit of victory. And so it sets me up to begin praying prayers of dominion. But how do I know what to bind and what to lose? This is a very small list. This is a list to get you started. I can bind the spirit of fear. Why? 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul is admonishing Timothy. Hey, don't forget the format. Don't forget what's been put inside of you. Don't forget the gift and the calling of God that you have. Don't forget the power. Don't forget the authority that you have. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, cowardice, timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God does not want his people to win faced with their enemy. And this is our natural response, and you're not abnormal or weird or a loser. You feel this way. When your enemy pops out, when your enemy shows up, our natural response is to respond the way that the armies of Israel did. He's big. He's ugly. He's a giant. He's got six hands on each foot. Wow. For those who missed it, I said he had six hands on each foot. That was impressive. He had six fingers on each hand. How about that? Still a freak, just not quite as much. Six toes on each hand. Ha, gotcha. No, six toes on each foot. A little preschooling gaff had a time with that one. Everybody else saying, one, two, three, four, five. And you got him going up six. Yeah, he was. He was a handy guy. Imagine buying those socks with toes on them for him. <laughs> Cut a little. Wow, I'm losing it. Their natural response was our natural response. Breathe, Brittany. They, they were scared. They ran and they hid. That's our natural response when things begin to go wrong, when things get messed up, things get sideways. My natural response is to begin to slip into spiritual cowardice, to slip into fear. Well, fear has a death grip on our world right now. God given us the spirit of fear. My common sense should be spiritual common sense. My spiritual common sense says he's not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so when I'm praying on purpose, I begin to say, you know what? No, I bind you, spirit of fear. 
I bind that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. And I loose the spirit of power. I loose the spirit of love. I loose the spirit of a sound mind. I bind that cowardice. I bind that timidity. And I loose the spirit of power. The dunamis, miraculous power, might, and strength of my God. I loose that power. And I loose the spirit of love. The agape love of God. The goodwill nature of God. The divine, unconditional love of God. God that says, I'll love you when things get sideways. I'll love you when you don't know how it's going to work out. Imagine what that will do to your prayer. When you're worried about where that next bill is going to be paid from. Real life issues, folks. When you're worried about how you're going to put tires on your car. Worried about Leaky roof. Kids losing their minds. Fear. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I get a revelation. What I'm doing down here, he's doing up there. Binding. Loosing. I loose. Spirit of power. Loose the love of God. And loose sound mind. You know what that is? Those words, a sound mind means self-control. Safe-minded. Issuing insensible behavior that fits the situation. Not according to man. But when I'm operating in a sound mind, it means that I am acting out God's will by doing what he calls sound reasoning. Where nature's reasoning says, freak out, dude. Where nature's reasoning says, run and hide. God's reasoning says, he's nothing but an overgrown bully. And so I bind fear, and I lose power, I lose love, I lose soundness of mind. Let's stand. I, I, there's, there, there's a whole list that we'll get into some other time. Maybe next Wednesday. We'll finish the list. But do you understand what we're saying tonight? you understand what God's wanting us to learn, to do tonight? I want you to pray. But I want you to pray on purpose. I want you to step into your prayer closet. I want you to close that door because there are some things that are getting ready to happen that need to happen in secret before they can happen publicly. God wants them to happen publicly. God wants them to happen corporately. But in order for them to happen corporately, somebody's got to get in a prayer closet in secret. Somebody's got to get in a small group. Somebody's got to pick up the phone and call a brother or call a sister. Say, hey, brother, hey, sister, would you mind meeting me down at the church to pray for a little while tonight? Because where one can succeed, two can more than excel. 
And if you call somebody else and you get a third or a fourth there, you just never know what's going to happen. But when I begin to pray and I begin to magnify God, it puts me in a mindset to begin to take authority, to begin to, to work in the supernatural, that I can begin binding and I can begin loosing. And what I'm doing on the earth, God is going to start doing in heaven. I've got four more pages of notes. I want my prayer to be fervent. I want my prayer to be effectual. There are seasons in prayer, so on and so forth. There are days and times and channels. and Something that might work for me today may not work for me tomorrow in prayer. So we'll talk about that too. Sometimes I, I stumble into the room of prayer like I'm wearing a blindfold in a dark room. I don't know where to go, and so I have to begin to feel along the walls of the Spirit until I, I feel the opening. And, or maybe I, I get to the door of that prayer channel, and it's closed. And so I move on to the next, and I'm, I'm just feeling my way. Just feeling my way. Sometimes I may not make it past the, the praise and the worship. I might get over to the warring channel. may not work for me tomorrow. But I want to pray on purpose. I want to pray with the mindset of however it happens, Sister Rende, whatever, whatever's going on, whether it's praise and worship, whether it's intercession, whether it's warfare, whether it's thanksgiving, whatever, I want it to be effectual. Amen. And I want it to be fervent. Nowhere, nowhere, does the Bible say that effectual, fervent prayer has to only be warfare pray? But every time I pray, I want it to be effectual, full of energy. I want it to be fervent. I want it to be hot. I want it to be intense. I want my praise to be intense. Whatever I'm doing, I want to operate with authority. I want to operate with dominion. I want to operate with power. I want to be able to, to step into prayer and bind things that need to be bound and loose things that need to be loosed. One of the most powerful prayers that I have learned to pray is, God, I want you to open the doors that need to be opened, and I want you to close the doors that need to be closed. I'm not going to try to figure out which doors need to be opened and which doors need to be closed. I'm going to leave that up to you, but I'm going to pray that it happens. God, I bind the spirit of fear take that list and, and between now and next Wednesday you, you start working your way through that list and you start praying those are just simple guide points okay if you feel that urge and you feel that nudge then you pray that way and you go down that list and you start praying and if you hit a dead end then go back to praise go back to worship and let the Holy Ghost direct you but I wonder if I have anybody here tonight that would say you know what God I want you to teach me to pray on purpose God I want you to teach me to push I want you to teach me how to get things done I want to be effectual I want to be fervent I want to be able to bind I want to be able to loose Come on, let's find a place to pray.